Welcome in to the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast with your hosts, Daryl and Daryl Jackson, where we bring you a weekly roundup of the past, present, and future in the world of sports. For great sports content that you can get at home or on the run, it's time to listen up to a father and his son. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast, Season 1, Episode 7. Looking forward to talk to you about a variety of everything in sports today. Nothing big, no no major agenda, no NFL draft, no college basketball showdown, but we got a lot of things going on all around the world of sports. I'm Daryl. I'm here with... Daryl. And we're here to talk to you guys about a little bit of everything. Hey, just a quick note on a side note. How's that Mother's Day? Yeah, do you guys do the right thing with sports that main emphasis of your day, or do you really special... Do something really special for that special lady in your life, your mom, your wife. Come on. What did you do? Were you focused on the sports or are you focused on them? Let me know. Yeah, it's honestly true, you know, because we wouldn't be here without our moms. Exactly. Sports wouldn't be possible without moms. I mean, think about how many athletes, I mean, just their moms, all the sacrifices to get them to that point. So that's a fact. And then once you become married, you got to worry about your wife also. And the thing is, are we really taking care of our wives in a way we need, or we, in other words, we can't be neglecting them, forgetting things, or just let's do what we really need to do, keep our focus on, stop worrying about that special player, that special team you got, especially about life, because as two believers, we got to do the right thing. Side note, let's get back to the thing what we're talking about, the NFL, a couple things, hey, I just wanted to mention something we didn't mention last week after we talked about the draft, and we had the draft grades, and we looked at the different teams and what everybody put in, and, and a week before then, I had mentioned that um, I thought Ian Book, that was word out there that he was going to go back to Notre Dame, but he actually came out and got drafted, so, and another player I had to look at that didn't get drafted, big surprise in the NFL, that didn't get drafted because they were looking at his medical records and stuff like that. And Nick Saban came out and said, I think it's going to be a big mistake for a lot of teams overlooking uh, these team doctors and stuff with Dylan Moses. He was a first-round talent that didn't, he went undrafted because of his injury with his knee. Yeah, we'll see how that, that plays out. I think a lot of players that we don't know about now that maybe got, maybe got slighted or whatever, they can have their opportunity to prove themselves, and we'll see what they do at the next level. Yeah, and I think Dylan Moses got picked up, you know, as with um, Jacksonville, I think that's a good fit because it's a team that needs a lot of parts, and I think he's going to prove himself. I think, hey, wouldn't be surprised you see him in the starting lineup. Definitely. So he's on Jacksonville now. Jacksonville. Jacksonville is, you know, speaking of Jacksonville, uh, another uh, part that just joined the team is Tim Tebow. Oh, yeah, they uh, plan on. Um, as to be a tight end. So. Right, yeah, right now. They plan on signing him this week, and we're going to see how that goes because it's kind of ironic that he goes and do this and maybe – Tebow has come to a point because I know Belichick had offered him an H-back, tight end spot, you know, flex guy, and he turned it down. He said, nope, I'm a quarterback. And so what changed his mind that he thinks now? You're thinking, why didn't he do this originally? Right, 33 years old. It's not the easiest thing not to play football for all these years and then coming back in his physical sport. Right, because after you've not been hit all these years, 
playing baseball and things like that. Now you're going to get hit because especially at tight end, you're going to get you're definitely going to get hit. Exactly, and you're going to need to block too. You know, I know the guy. I think maybe there's other things to bring Tebow. He's he's a good locker room guy. I think he could be a good mentor as a person with Trevor Lawrence. And I know he got a, a relationship with Urban Myers, so it helps. Definitely, definitely. We'll see how it plays out. A um, couple other things that we can look at. It's like, hey, the saga still goes on in Green Bay. What are they going to do? I mean, even Brett Farr has come out to say that he really don't think Aaron's coming back. So um, is this a ploy that Brett really don't want him to come back? So you don't, you know, you know, the legacy of Brett stays there. But, you know, Aaron has built his legacy really well with Green Bay and stuff like that. But that is an issue right now as a team GM, I'm saying, you know, team president said it ain't no way they're trading Aaron Rodgers. But the thing is, if he sits out, you're really not, you know, gaining anything from it. Yeah, I say that, you know, because I I was thinking about this a little bit earlier today, and I thought that a move that could have been made, that should have been made, was the Los Angeles Rams trading for Aaron Rodgers. Now, this is obviously after the fact, but, I mean, I would much rather have Aaron Rodgers than Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford's a good player, but, like, he's never – He's played in one postseason game when he was with the Lions, and and they they lost to the Saints. I think that's eight years ago, something like around that. That's it. So it's like you don't know what the guy's going to do when games really, really count, because uh, he's always played from behind. I think a lot of his stats are even when he's coming from behind. So what are you going to do when the expectations are higher? So, I mean, I'm I'm happy for Matthew Stafford in this situation, but oh, this yeah. is the team that I thought that I would have liked to see him with. I would have liked to see. Aaron Rodgers in L.A., I thought that would have been the better fit. Oh, yeah, but, but at um, that point in time, but it, yeah, it, we didn't know. At that point in time, point, it, was, it, was, it was kind of shut down. I mean, people knew that Aaron was kind of disgruntled with, you know, with all the things that was going on, the draft picks and the things that were going on. But it really wasn't out there to do what he did because you got to remember that Green Bay went 13-3 and two years in a row. And they were, like, when we look at the film and look at different things, there's a couple plays right there that if Aaron possibly could have ran into the end zone on that last series, with, like with two minutes and 11 seconds left, um, would have changed the cost. They would have had to go with a two-point conversion to tie it. But at that point in time, they had that opportunity. He tried to, you know, put it in there, but the ball got batted down. And that's just how things go. But then they turn the corner. What is going on in the saga with Deshaun Watson? What do you think on that one? I mean, would you trade for him? I mean, I don't even know. There hasn't been much talk about it. No, it's really a lot of legality, legal things going on. So it's like until that. are really a fair. I mean, like a lot of times everybody was expecting him. Some people were expecting him to be traded during um, draft weekend. And that's that's an interesting thing you bring up because I feel there is a difference between, like, for example, his situation and Antonio Brown's. Because remember, Antonio Brown had to go through all the clearing, and then he had to sit out for half the season, and then teams were able to sign him, and he fell into the perfect situation with Tom Brady and, and with a team that was starting to become stable. But in his situation as a receiver, all you got to do is your part and your role, and the team works. And just show when, up and stay out of trouble. And that's what he's done. Won a Super Bowl ring, re-signed. Now, he, he's in the best situation you could ask for after leaving Pittsburgh and Oakland and really being just the brunt of everybody's uh, hate and anger and just he and scorn and now he's in the perfect situation. So right, but now um, we, we, but but it's because of the fact that he's shielded by 
a trusted friend, somebody who didn't give up on him. Another reason why I like Tom Brady, but that's a, that's a story for another day. But when you're Deshaun Watson, you're a quarterback. You're the leader of a team. People rely on you to, for, lead. to lead. And when you have so much going on in your personal life and you don't even know if you're cleared, but then you have to lead another another franchise, I think it's harder than it than it looks and it sounds. Right, but the thing is, it's not more that he has to lead another organization, another team. If you're the owner of the other team, are you going to risk assets, draft picks for a guy that may be legally in trouble? Correct. So what I what I'm saying to that note is, you want to make sure he's clear before you sign him, before you trade for him. So I wouldn't make a move now. I would wait until he's legally clear, and then I consider it. But if I'm on a team, if I'm on a team, or if I have a team that's on the cusp, and he is getting me from good to great, yes, I would consider it if he's legally free and clean. Okay, that's good. All right. So now let's, let's switch over a little bit over to um, Major League Baseball. What do you got, Daryl? Well, right now I got uh, a couple of things. First of all, who's looking good and who's not looking good, right? So we're going to talk about who's looking good. And a team that I said that would be successful this year is the St. Louis Cardinals because they're always consistent. But now Nolan Arenado is shaping into form. Because, yeah, it takes time to get used to a new ballpark, a new club, a new flow of, of teammates. And he's doing that. Uh, he's playing well. The team's playing well. They're clearly in first place. And uh, I like how they're playing. Oh, okay. I mean, it makes sense. It's like one of those teams. Um, St. Louis is always one of those teams that always are there. It's just like it's just a baseball town. You've got a you've got great system. Things like, and then adding Arenado, man, makes a big difference in a club that um, with the you know the best played MVP runner um, Yelich for Milwaukee, Christian. They're looking, they're looking good too. Right, I mean, they're and, sitting and there in he, second place. Exactly, and he was he's been out, you know. So that's something here that we got to really look at and stuff like that. One of the other surprise teams is um, is San Francisco. Correct, and yeah. we had talked about them on our last show. Where we were say, I was saying, you know, this, you see a resurgence of players. Uh, Buster right. Posey's taking a year off last year, coming back this year, looking like his old self again. Uh, great batting average, great numbers. Um, you know, getting a hit in every game, he's looking great. So uh, definitely seeing that in the National League West and then in the East, your New York Mets seem to be even even where even when they're not hitting. And Degrom now going to the shelf for a little bit. Still in first place. Yeah, but the thing is, one of the teams that were, he started off really hot was, you know, we had to get back to the Mets. But the team that started off really hot was the L.A. Dodgers and stuff like that. And um, at the beginning, they were, um, at that point, 13-2. and two. And now, all of a sudden, they're in the 18 last— 18-17. and 17. In last, Yeah, in the last— seven, you know, the They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Right, and they're 5-15. and 15. Since that, since, since that that's, great start, right? And that's what's going on? Why, why do you think they're not playing well? I mean, they got all this talent. Well, right. What's the excuse? Right. And the thing is, in San Diego had a couple of blimps when Tatis went out for a ten day stint and stuff like that, missing um, I believe six games um, within that time. And um, they still held on. And they're, they're right now they're um, uh, what a game and a half out. Um, Hey, it's like really interesting in that West, you know, like we both said, I believe it's going to come down to um, the Dodgers and the um, San Diego to get to where they need to be. But, you know, now that, well, we, we, that's what we think. Right. But maybe like San Francisco like baseball is it's like sometimes 
because I'm looking at two teams that I didn't think would be in this position, but they but they're there. San Francisco and then the Boston Red Sox. Because they got a nice three and a half game lead. Now we don't know, like it's a long season, but if you're playing well, because what, what, what I've started to see is it's not all about superstar power, like just load a roster and your chemistry and flow is a big thing, and oh, your yeah. team's got to be playing well. Right. And Boston's doing that. And hey, talk about resurgence. I'm going to hand this yeah, off to you in a second. I'm going to hand this off to you in a second. But let's talk about resurgence. JD Martinez, terrible 2020, right. comes back. Right now, leading leading the league in baseball in terms of overall efficiency. So okay, um, when you talk about resurgence, I was talking about the team, which really made a turnaround is the New York Yankees. New York Yankees have right. made a thing because they were in fourth place last time we talked. We were on the show, and now all of a sudden, they're what two and a half games, three and a half games back, and yet they're on a streak here. I'm seven out of the last ten. They're eight, you know, eighteen and sixteen, doing well. Players are starting to hit, starting to come. Stanton is really coming alive. Stanton is really putting the ball into play and everything like that that we see. And the pitching is getting uh, settled. The pitching staff is settling down, doing what they need to do, and that's something really important. Like you said, Boston. Boston's the team that I had said that I felt that they were either being second or third place, you know. But, you know, Boston is playing well at this point in time, and I have to give it to that. But when we shift back, oh, hey, you know, when we shift back over to, the, you know, what's going on with the Mets, you know, like I said, I, we want to go back there and hit it really good. The Mets are still not really hitting, but they're, they, they're getting just enough runs. They win, they've been winning a lot of 4-2 games, 4, you know, 4-3, stuff like that. But if you look at the stats, they're really not hitting as a team. Um they just came out of a series. They swept and what's going Arizona. to happen when they start hitting? Exactly. It's going to make a big thing because the Mets really do have a good pitching staff. It's just that they're not supporting them. And like I said, you, you mentioned it a little bit a minute ago. DeGrom is with a lower back. He had to get an MRI. He'd be out for, um, he, I think he's on a 10-day um, IR list to see where he's at. Um, you know, he had a little, you can see him in the game yesterday. He had a little discomfort there when he went out. In the beginning of the sixth inning, you know, a little tightening up there. And I think he was really frustrated with it, Lord. Um, but these are the things, Daryl, that we see that we got to continually understand that these are the things that's making a way with DeGrom. And he's still under, a, you know, I think he's 0.6 ERA. And that's amazing. Yeah, it really is amazing. And they're, they're, I'm looking forward to see what they do when they really go all out. Right, because you you mentioned Lindor like last time we talked. Yeah, like, and I Lindor, did an article because I mean Lindor was not he was not well. playing well. But then I read an article in terms of like what's going on and what what you start to see is like this is he this is a transition from a player that has spent all his career in the American League now coming to the National League. And what he was saying is I've never seen a lot of these pitchers. I don't know what to expect. So a lot of it is just. Is learning like um, most of the pitchers he's facing. A lot of them he's facing for the first time, so he doesn't know what stuff that that he's getting. So it's like once you see, like baseball is a type of sport where it's like you get better over opportunity and, and repetition. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like once you start seeing pitchers a number of times and you start studying and you start understanding how that league works, it, it helps you. So I feel like Lindor is one of those guys where this is just kind of like his his introduction is his just his way of feeling out the National League a little bit. And I think as he gets more comfortable, he's definitely going to get more productive. Okay. One of the other big news is that happened in the um, 
baseball was the release of Albert Pujols. Correct. And and this is where we start saying, like, okay, let's just be fair. I don't know. The bottom line is they are in last place. It's only five games. It's not like 14, 15 games where you feel like, yeah, the season's over. But, I mean, Albert Pujols, okay, what is his production? You said five homers and 12 RBIs. Like right. That. I don't know exactly. what I mean, batting averages entirely. But you start saying, like, when when should a player retire? Like, when do you feel like do, does a team release you because it's time to retire because the or the production's not there, or do you feel like this was more personal? Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like this is something that we got to really look at and just say it can go from both ways. But you know, this is a Hall of Famer. I mean, yeah. You know, could things have been done differently in certain ways of how things um, has been produced and stuff like that? When you look at the teams and stuff like that, when you look at the home runs, there's like Trout has eight home runs, and then you have followed up by Upton, but then then you got Rojas. You know, I believe he has uh, what um, Rojas. Yeah, Rojas. Yeah, he don't even really have that many. But Pujols, I think he was third on the team. You know, with home runs, except the pitcher, man. That pitcher or something else. Otani? Otani. He's a special talent. Yeah, Otani, I think he actually leads the team in home runs. I think he has 10? That can't be. If if it says it is, it is. Oh, my goodness. 10 home runs? Is that right? I mean, like, yo, this is a pitcher? Oh, man. Uh, And like I said, they released Pujols, who had five. So um, it's kind of ironic when you look at the whole pitcher and stuff and you think – Where's these guys coming from? And um, like I said, the disservices, like the way I think, we, we really don't know all the ins and outs of what's going on here and stuff like that. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Baseball is, guys uh, got to make dis, you know, decisions and do what they do and, and making sure that everything is um, about what we talk about, you know, in behind the scenes, behind the doors, how Albert handled it, what was said to him and stuff like that. Joe Maddox, you know, manager gets in the middle of all this stuff. And, you know, I think he had promised um, Pujols to put him in the lineup on Wednesday. He goes to the thing. He's not in the lineup. And, you know, meanwhile, Joe already knew that they already had made a decision that they were releasing him. So they didn't play him. And um, right from there, things get, didn't get good. Now, some of the other, you know, Spanish ball players are coming out saying how bad it was, how they released him and stuff like that. So, but I think Albert's going to end up playing with somebody. I think um, his old coach over at Chicago, White Sox, uh, um, Tony Larusa, is thinking about if they can find some room for him. Right, because you would say like at this stage of his career, he's a designated hitter. Right, and 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 but we got to realize that the White Sox have a, a, a MVP first baseman. And their second, um, and their um, DH is a really good ball player too. So I don't think they're at the point that they want to um, put these guys in. And when your team's in first place, do you really um, want to mess with the um, the lineup and everything like this? Because you have a, um, a a way of just saying that hey, this guy here is really playing well and stuff like that, but. It's it's worth a shot. That's a good point. It's worth a sh- it's worth a shot in Chicago because you look at this team and they don't have a true straight up. I mean, uh, they have right here uh, Yerman Mercedes, who's just, who's kind of like looking at who's 
looking as their consistent DH. Maybe they can put right. Albert he, in there yeah. for a game or two. I don't know if he'd be an everydayer. Because here's the thing. Is he going to put the production that like Nelson Cruz is going to put up? Who's, right. Who's the same age I as I mean, what, the thing here, we were talking about a guy that's a really good guy who's been doing really well. And he's, he's pretty much everybody's going to remember him as a Cardinal. And um, one day when he retires, he'll probably retire with a Cardinals uniform, with the Cardinals hat, and he'll probably get a, um, a statue out, out in front of Bush Stadium. And it's much deserved. He did win the uh, two World Series with the team back exactly. in 06 and he's very, he's very respected and loved in St. Louis and stuff like that. I mean, I think they were really caught off guard when he even decided to go to the Angels. Because just after they had won the World Series, right. they took off for... Yeah, for LA. a big contract. He had a big contract, big offer. At, at the time, 10 years, $250 million, which was uh, yeah, tops. Two, yeah, two, two, 241 or something like that. Yeah, it was up there. So Right now, that's a... Uh, yeah, and he's in his last year of his contract. So that's what I'm You figure saying. just finish the contract finish out. Finish it out. You know, that's what I figure. You know, I, like I told you before, I really don't see the Angels going anywhere. I mean, they got pretty much the best player in baseball, and they still they can't win. They can't, and that's it's too bad. But hopefully, they can they can make a push. But we'll see. Um, and then you think of a player like Miguel Cabrera. I'm seeing like uh, the Tigers are bad, man. <laughs> I think they might be the worst team in baseball. Yeah, yeah they, yeah, they are the worst team in baseball. So it's just kind of like they just need a reboot. But it's just like I look at a guy that in 2012 was the last player to win the triple crown since. Carl Yastrzemski did it back in, what, 1967? Mm-hmm. So you look at somebody who, extraordinary talent, but is just a shell of himself, just not even close. So you're thinking, like, is this the beginning of the end for him? Is this his last year? Or, or what, what do you think oh, yeah. is the situation I mean, with Cabrera? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's near the end. I mean, like, again, do these players tell players so they can have a – a grand tour in their last season going around and make a thing. But I think a lot of players try to hang on a little bit too long. Baseball is a different sport. When I mean, I think everybody's looking at a Tom Brady, you know, and say, man, this guy, but Tom Brady takes care of his body. You know, he, he's in prime shape. It ain't like a 42, 43-year-old man. Oh, Tom? Yeah. Tom's going to be 44 when the season starts. 44, right. But, you know, he takes and, care and, of his but body. When you, when you go into the, you know, now like we're going to talk about this, but when you go into the season, right. Tom's going to be 44, and you're like, they're looking at Tampa Bay saying, hmm. they're a Super Bowl favorite. Right. Most most players, if they enter their 44 season, they're, it's a retirement tour. Right. It's but, not, you're not looking at it like you're at, you're, you're, yeah. you're, lead, you're making is, a team feel like, we got a chance to win this whole thing again. Right. And then when you, like I said, when we go back into this, you know, when we look at baseball, we look at the different teams and stuff, they're, they're, that division, like you said, the Tigers is the worst team in baseball. And, um, but, you know, when you look at the whole picture and stuff, Chicago's doing well, which we both think Cleveland's doing well, you know, hanging above 500, you know. And that's what we already have said. You know, these are the teams you got to look for, even with Lindor moving out. You know, Cleveland is still um, hanging in there and doing what they need to do. But um, all the baseball races are going to be interesting to see where they go. I mean, I give it a couple more weeks to, just to see how everything is starting to shape up and everything like that. And then um, as the summer comes on, you can see the separation of the good teams and the bad teams. And um, right now, it's just like every most divisions are pretty close. 
You know, uh, it's a lot of teams that's in third place that could be close to 500 or below 500. That's interesting at this point in time, you know, year. Yeah, it definitely is. So, yeah, we're definitely going to see how things continue to play out and, um, you know, just uh, um, okay. Just excited to see kind of like uh, how it all how it all plays out. So Okay, let's shift gears. Yeah, now we're going to just talk – I'm just going to give a little bit because I know we have NHL fans out there and we're not really like NHL guys, but I just want to touch a little bit on it just in terms of a little bit in terms of what's going on. So as you for, – for my hockey fans out there – I'm going to just give you a brief overview of just a brief, brief cover um, as we go into um, into the playoffs, which is coming later this week. But as because of the way COVID um, had shaped a lot of a lot of the sports seasons, you had that division between Canadian teams and American teams because of the border. You know, we weren't able to get over here over the border. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was you had. Um, all the all the Canadian teams be, being separated from the American teams for the most part, and so you had four different divisions. You had the East Division, the West Division, the Central, and then the North, which is considered the Canadian. So all the Canadian teams were together, and then all the American teams were together, and they were able, as things were, to be able to get, get into twenty twenty one and things like that. We were able to have more teams playing each other from America and from Canada. But I like I like the division breakdown. I, th- I felt like it came, it kept everybody regionally together, mm-hmm. and I felt like it sets up for a great playoff because I think what hockey wanted to do when they kind of were going this direction, and instead of going like one through eight seed, they they kind of did it where the first two rounds of the playoffs were like rivalry matchups. Oh. So if you're playing somebody in your division, like for example the Penguins and the Capitals. Like, it just adds more intrigue. If it's the Maple Leafs and, like, the Canucks, you know, there's, there's like, a rivalry there. So teams that naturally had, like, that bad blood, just not, you know, not competitive bad blood is what I'm saying. When people had that competitive bad blood, you know, it was kind of one of those deals where there was a, a sense of saying this would, this would add to the value of our postseason. And so I'm excited to see how it all breaks down. I think it's nearing the end of the season. And uh, as soon as the matchups are official, um, we come back here on the next podcast. I'm just going to give you a little brief rundown in terms of what I think about the matchups and what I know about the players. I did do fantasy hockey this past year. I did win it all this past year. So had a great season and got to know a little bit of the players and what's going on out there. So um, I love hockey. And uh, like I said, don't know too much about it. Don't know. Don't watch too much about it, but I'm not going to ignore it. And I know there are fans out there, so I'm excited to see how the playoffs are going to look this year. Okay, but one of the things that did happen in the last few weeks and stuff, it was a big thing with Tom Wilson and people from the Rangers were thinking this guy should have, but they, he like got into the, you know, the fights. And he really took care of some, you know, one of their best players um, for the Rangers and put him out for the rest of the season. And a lot of pe- people felt like the league was soft on him. But the thing is, the guy really didn't break none of the hockey rules that really stand up. I mean, you can't tell that to some of the Ranger fans and stuff like that. But um, this guy, uh, um, Wilson, is one of the, like they said after Overcheck, he's one of, he's the favorite player on Washington that people really respect him for what he does and how he do it. But he, he's a brawler, man, and he, he did his duty and... Um, a lot of, you know, people around the league didn't like it. You know, some didn't say anything because 
when it, the the league said he really didn't do anything that would uh, warrant a suspension. So that's what we got to go by. But hey, what's your opinion out there? Did he go? Did he go overboard? Um, did, was the league soft? Um, what's going on? Exactly, and he's got to be just be careful as you get into the postseason because if you get because players with players and you know this when players are known for being physical, other teams if they're smart are going to counter counteract smart. So you're going to bait this guy to get a penalty or to get a suspension. And he's going to miss games as teams are going to need. True. And, so and, and, you just got to be careful. Like physical is good. It sets the tone over the line. It puts you in a place where there's no control. If you're not there, but if, um, you hurt your team. Yeah, and if you would have seen it, because after this game happened, they had a back. It was a back-to-back game, and then it was the first. It was in the lineup when they went. It started the game before the game started. Boom! They were fighting. Everybody was fighting and after this and stuff, and then. Um, I think Wilson went out with a back, a little back after, not because of the scrimmage, you know, but more that um, as the game went on, I think he had, you know, get out of the game because of his back. Something, something happened with his back. So, but the thing is, hey, Washington looks like I think they're like the third seed in the East uh, or second seed, second seed in the East. I think they're ready. Yeah, they're they're, they're ready to make a, a difference. They're right and, behind uh, the Penguins and stuff. So, yeah, I think yeah, this should be interesting. And that hey, one thing like I said, you know, they've been there for the last three years and stuff is Las Vegas. Vegas is knocking on the door. Yeah, they're knocking the on the championship door. Yeah, those Knights, man, um, they know what to do. You know, like I said, we know like back in 2018, they made the Stanley Cup final. They played Washington, and Washington was just due. You know, so many years of heartbreak to the Penguins and other teams. So they finally had their moment, and they just had the experience going up against Vegas. But since that moment, Vegas has been there. Right. And they're yeah. knocking on the door. They're, they're top of the West. I think they're really looking to make a, a push this year. I think they, they're leading scoring. You know, they got the most points of all the teams in the league. So, um but Vegas, that year, man, it was an expansion team. And that's what a lot of people don't really keep remembering that they were picking it. They picked that team up and they rolled with it. And they really did a great job. I mean, um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. And the only thing it is, is like the team that won it all last year, so I've seen it, is uh, Tampa Bay. And they're sitting third right now. So that's right. something that. Um, Hey, we're just going to see how all the matchups. Like you said, we got to wait until we see the matchups, who's playing who, to see where everybody's at, to see how far, you know, these teams get to go. But I think it should be kind of exciting and stuff when you really look at it because each all the, out of the four divisions were pretty it, equal. It, 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 really it, no, it wasn't no wide gap between – I mean, like when you look at the, the West League, I think that was probably the biggest gap. I mean, the Canadian League had a – Eh, you know, I mean, from the top to the bottom, out of the four teams that's left in each one, you got you got an average span there. But I mean, like the East, man, whoa, you're talking about seven points going from Pittsburgh to the Islanders. Is this a seven point difference? Um, yeah, that that's really 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 interesting. And then you got like a 23 point difference between Vegas and St. Louis. But St. Louis is one of those teams that come into playoff and things change. You know, exactly. You know, they just be ready to play and stuff like that. Um, also, when you look at Toronto, I, I like seeing this Toronto team getting back into it. The Maple Leaf, always like to see them, but, you know, maybe they match up with the Montreal um, Canadiens and see what happens there. Exactly. So we will keep you posted next uh, on our next edition of this of the show, Episode 8. We're going we're gonna to have a little bit of breakdown and um, talk more about it. So okay. we hope you'll enjoy it. And then shifting into our final 
segment today, uh, NBA. And the playoffs are going to be here next week, probably in about um, the playing tournament starts next yes. Tuesday. Next Tuesday, is that, that's what starts next week, it's the play-in games. And there's been a lot of players coming out. They don't like it. I mean, if you're a, hey, if you're in a, you know, nine ten spot, you, you like it, it because you have an opportunity. opportunity. Right. You could be. You could have been this one game out of like this. I mean, right now when we look at these teams, man, there's a. Hey, you know what? The the one thing I'm looking at here, Daryl, that I see that could make a big difference. The NBA had to come out, what, a week and a half ago and apologize for um, Scott Foster's bad call against Portland that cost them a game. And right now they sit one game behind Dallas for the fifth spot. But if they would have won that game and they already had played Dallas and they won the series 2-1, to one, hey, it makes a big difference if they're tied. They get the tiebreaker. But the thing is, that one game could make a big difference here. So... Hey, and then when we look at the, you know, we going we going we going to break this whole thing down here cuz there's a lot of intricate things that's happening here. So what's your take on it? Yeah, my take on it is I mean for the first time you you there's a, a there's a value in the 6 seed, you know, cuz the 6 seed and up anywhere in those in that range is you're guaranteed a seven game set. You know, if you fall to the 7 seed, um your season could be done in a game or two. One or done. Correct. I mean definitely 9 10. Win or go home. Want to go home, right? So with the, the, the way it works is, for those who do not know and haven't seen the breakdown, is the 9 and 10 seed are going to play and the 7 and 8 are going to play. So if you're the 9 or 10, great, you made it, but it's a one-game elimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you lose, you're done. If you win, you're going to play the loser of the 7-8 matchup. Now, the winner of that 7-8 matchup automatically qualifies to be the seven seed, and they will play the two seed. Correct. So, but and then the, the loser um, will play the winner of the nine ten matchup, and then that loser is eliminated, and that winner is the eighth seed. Right. So that's the way it goes. So it's some fun and intrigue. But yeah, but if you just don't want to be in that bracket because it's kind of like your season could come down to one, one game, game. Yeah. as opposed to like a seven game series. But everybody knows about a seven game series is you play a team for two weeks. You get to study them. You get to make adjustments. Right. Um, you get to see what works and what doesn't work. And you try to win four out of seven. But in a situation like this, it's it's a, it's a thing that um, you try to avoid. It. So the, I guess the kind of the intrigue as the NBA regular season is coming to a close is what teams are going to make the cut at that six and higher spot and what teams are going to fall into the playing tournament. Right. right. And you know what? One thing that's – I mean – there, you got pros and cons on both sides. Players love it or players that don't love it. But the thing is, what I see about this that I really like, and now this is where I show you, are you a team player or are you just a money player? Like you're playing for the money or you're playing for the team. This is this makes it then because in the past, you know, you make the playoff, you're in that spot, you sit out. You know, you sit out a game or two here and down in the rest. You can't do that now. Your stars have to play unless they're really injured they need to be playing if they're really team players. See, I, I got a problem with players sitting out now with little, oh, my my little toe hurts and stuff like that. That makes no sense now. If you want your team not to fall into this play-in series and tournament, you got to get your tail out there and play the ball and play your best. But you got players that are sitting out 
And then they say, well, I'll come back to this thing. And then they're going to whine because they're in the 7 to 10 range and they got to play this playing tournament when they should have been out on the floor. So right now, that's what's really good that players, these superstars just can't be sitting out because right now it's a lot of um, juggling. Like there's no guaranteed spot for from 1st to 10th set. I mean, only thing that the closest one set to get their thing in is Philadelphia at this right. point in time. Philadelphia has a three-game lead with four games left. Looking to lock up the top seed in the Eastern Conference. Correct. And, only and That's thing, huge. That's a and, big deal. And the only thing they got to do is win one game. And they, and they clinch. And they, I believe they clinched the, you know, that first spot. So there, but the thing is, what? Let's, let's, let's tackle the East right now. Then we look at Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Right there, because they're, they're going to either be two and three. That's it, because the fourth team can't make it down. So that is where, again, it's one game separating them, and they got to go all out because that two seed is a pretty good spot to be in because you got home court advantage throughout until you get to the, you know, if you're going to be playing Philadelphia, either one of them, if Philadelphia don't do something and someone don't surprise them. But the thing is, the two spot is a very strong spot that you really want to garnish. And um, that's what I look at. When I look at that, like Brooklyn is like tinkering. and so I'm thinking about all the games Kyrie sat out throughout the season and stuff like that. Thinking, like, hey, we can turn it on and turn it off. But lately, there's been some teams taking it to them that I may, I think they might be waking up. I mean, it was like the last, when I was listening to them playing the other day when they were playing Dallas, you know, and then at halftime, Shaq and these guys were just raving about Kyrie and stuff like that. And I, I like what Barkley had to say about the team thing. And it's like he set it up pretty well that, yeah, you know, Kyrie can get 45 points and Durant can get 38 points and they can just go. But they don't make their other teammates put better. That's a problem. And what Barkley was trying to say, you can see the key to the team right now is Harden. Because Harden makes everybody else around him a little bit better. And those two guys, they don't do that. They they want to score. They want to. The ball goes in their hand. They're most of the time shooting the ball. That's a problem when you try to when you play really good teams that can set up and do more things. So that's one I think when Harden gets back, is it going to be enough ball? That's the only thing I'm thinking. You know, like do we make them better? I mean, like Harden likes to shoot, like to take it, but also he likes to distribute. You know, and I don't see Kyrie is not a distributor. No, exactly, and it's and, and they haven't played a lot together. No, so because it's like when you get to the playoff time, what really is successful is teams that are just in in, in synchronization. They they play together. I think Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden have maybe played twenty five percent of the t- entire season together. That just does not bode well for a postseason series. And so, while I think, like I said, we're going to talk about this next week when we actually have the matchups lined up but as it sets up here I'm thinking they they're they're going to want to cling to that two spot because uh, if they fall to the three and they potentially have to see a Miami team I think that could be a problem because uh, that team is coming together at the right time and, and they already did their thing last year um, Boston with Jalen Brown going out them going out makes them a lot more vulnerable Mm-hmm. I mean, I still think like their team you got to play well, you know. But, um, but then again, uh, that's just uh, something 
to make a note when it comes to the Nets. Right. Now, see, the thing is, when we look at the East here, New York has played solidifying basketball. I think they're a resurgent. I think Thibodeau should be definitely considered for Coach of the Year for what he has done with this team. Um, but the Knicks is only sitting one game. Now, when I look at this thing, when I look at my chart here, the, the team that I'm really surprised is Atlanta. You know, it's like, and I'm thinking like, yeah, what they're doing. But actually, they've been on a run. They've been doing really well. But like you mentioned, Miami, I mean, Miami could possibly creep up to that fifth spot, which makes it really tough, you know, whoever, you know, with, with them in the Knicks, that should be a, a great series. Hawks and Knicks? No, Miami and New York Knicks, if, if that were to be the series. Right. Because I, it's like, you know, and, and that's kind of what I would like to see because that's just two very similarly style teams. It, it, it might bring back that late 90s rivalry. I mean, because that's the last time they played each other in a postseason series. Uh, well, not that's actually, that's actually not true because the Knicks did play the Heat when LeBron was with the Heat and the Carmelo was with the Knicks, but it just right. didn't have the same feel. This would have the same feel because the teams are very similar in terms of their defensive intensity and their, and their personalities and whatnot. But it's just like... You know what? That matchup you were saying about Brooklyn is a very good spot because you said, man, Brooklyn... No, I, I really don't think... I think it would be a good series. It all depends. If, if the Miami team that played last year shows up, I think they can give Brooklyn a really good run. But I'm telling you, if I'm Milwaukee, I do not want to see Miami. Yeah, that's a bad... Because I looked at Milwaukee and said, My, Milwaukee this year kind of comes across... The previous years, there was all these expectations. They were the top right. seed and a lot of pressure, and they just caved. But this year, they're kind of like coming in as like a dark horse. Right. And just the... But Giannis like you said... have a chip on his shoulder. Correct. But like as you said, matchups... Right. right, it determined everything, and I think Miami is just a bad matchup for Milwaukee. So if you are Milwaukee, you are rooting for one of two things to happen: for you to move up to the two seed and play play one of the playing teams, or for Miami to move up to the five seed and right. play New York, so you don't have to deal with them. I just would feel bad because that just would not be a good start to the postseason for them. Correct. Yeah, and and then the thing is when we look at the bottom, you know, the Part bottom of four. East. You know, on the East, you're looking at Boston, Charlotte. I mean, even with Boston, with the injury to um, Jalen Brown, I still feel that they're going to hold on to that seventh spot. You know, because if you look at the schedule, Charlotte, Washington, and Indiana has a really tough schedule. Um, I mean, I think out of the three, eight through ten, I think Washington might be the team that slides up to the eighth spot. I can see Charlotte easily falling to the 9 or 10 spot, you know, just because of their schedule. Correct. Now, now yeah. the question is, I don't know if it's solidified yet because is Chicago eliminated? They're not eliminated. They're still in it. Uh, they're two games behind Indiana. Now, Indiana has played five games, and Chicago has to play four. But Chicago has to win out. Now, two of those games are against the Nets. One of those games against the Raptors. One of those games is against the Bucks. So it's not an easy draw right. to close the season out. But Chicago, just in general, when they acquired, I, I had mentioned this, I think it was a, a, two, weeks ago. two weeks ago, that when they acquired Nikola Vucevic, I was like, lock for the playoffs. With the East, 10 spots, you have Levine and Vucevic and a surrounding cast. They're at least going to make the top 10. Now, they, they, it's maybe a 25% chance. 
What do you think that is? Is is that players not playing well or is that coaching? Well, I think it's a combination. And also, it takes time for you to gel together. I understand. But what I'm trying to say, though, is if you have two of the 12 Eastern Conference All-Stars and you can't crack the top 10, that's a problem. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that. That's what I'm saying. So I'm, I, I understand it like chemistry and gelling, but all we're asking you guys to do yeah. is be five games below 500 or better. That's all. That that would give you a spot, and you can't do that. Right. So Levine and them haven't stepped up. Right. Maybe. So I'm hearing because you know I, we, uh, I talk to my brother about this, and he say, "Oh, Levine's not talking about extend." Listen, before you talk about contracts and extensions or anything, win a game. Can you win? Can you get your team to the playoffs? And because the playoffs have been extended for you right. now, ten of the fifteen conference teams, so sixty-six percent of teams in your conference, two out of three of every teams in your conference qualify for the playoffs. You can't be one of them, and you're going to talk about contract extensions and going somewhere else. You got Nikola Vucevic, right? You got a Kobe White and some. So there's parts there. Marketing, yeah, Lori Marketing. Like you got a, you got a good a enough team. team to make the top ten, and so I feel it's 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 a combination of talent and coaching. I hope they make it. If they don't, they got a lot of questions to answer in the off season going forward. Like, hey, do we keep this nucleus together? Because if you're Chicago, you say, hey, we made this trade so we can at least qualify. Right. And you didn't do it. Yeah. But now we shift to the West. Okay. Now, ooh, the West. First of all, in the last week, you know, even Utah without Mitchell has made, solidified, you know, at this point in time, the one spot with four games to go. It seems that if they can win two out of the four, they should be in. But the thing is, I, I got a funny feeling they can easily win three to three out of the four. So the thing is, I think Utah is going to hold on to that one spot, which would be good, you know, an aspect of like matchup. But the thing is, then you get to that the the critical thing is going to be the three four spot. Right now, the Clippers are holding on with a one game lead over Denver. With with um, right now Denver with Murray out, you know, it's like they're holding on. But the thing is, Jokic is playing as an MVP. Him and they're, they're, right now, the MVP is between Jokic and Chris Paul. No, from um, Philly. Joel Embiid. Embiid. We're going to talk MVP later let's look next week. But because I'm thinking, I'm going to make an argument for Chris Paul. Now the thing is, he lost a little bit of it because just a week ago. They were in the top spot. Utah was in the second spot. I said, if Phoenix finishes number one, you definitely got to consider my brother. Right. But Only my thing, thing is, it's kind of like now that they're the two seed is still good, yeah. but it's kind of one of those deals where, like, um, you know, a loss to the Lakers uh, without LeBron, it, it hurts his case and things like that. Because you got to win games that keep it, that keep you in that in that conversation. Oh yeah, and I'm telling you right now that two the one spot two spot at this point in time is a big difference in the West. Reason why is because if you're the two seed, you may have to go through be, between the Clippers and Portland. That makes a big difference. And the thing is, even Correct. Even, and, even with the winner of the seven spot, would be hard for Phoenix. Right, so because the thing, thing, and you and you say something really good because most likely the way we see it here on our chart it, it, is how things are going to finish. Now there may be a, a switch or two, but at least when I see the out of the bottom, uh, out of the bottom 
four on each side. I mean, but I'm when I, when I, I think the West is a little bit more sure thing than the East. I think the East there may be some flips, but I'm, I'm seeing the Lakers um, as the seven, and then I'm seeing Golden State as the eight. But I think the Lakers may try to make that push to to still get the six spot. Right, which is going to be hard because I think Portland holds the tiebreaker. Correct. So they're so going to have, have to. They're going to have the two. They're going to have to have a game lead on Portland right now, which they sit behind Portland a game. So that means they're going to have to, within the next four games they're going to have to make up to three. Not going. To, I don't really think it's going to happen. It could. LeBron is supposed to be coming back tomorrow night. We'll see what happens. But the thing is, my my scenario here is the bottom three. And when I'm talking about the bottom three, I'm talking about the levels. It's New Orleans not even eliminated yet with San Antonio. I think San Antonio got a one-game lead on them. And um, I believe if if New Orleans can win three out of the last four games, they'll get in. If yeah, they, and it's, that's a real possibility. It would be cool. And, I think that, you know, to see Zion and that team uh, with Brandon Ingram and Oh yeah, and, then, and, and I think their first and that one, and that action, one, one game matchup with his, his one of his high school, you know, like AAU players, um, Memphis against New Orleans, that would be a great matchup. Two young teams with some really good players. I think that's not you know a sure thing for either one. I mean, to be that ten, nine, ten game would be really great. I mean, that's something that we got to look for, you know. So. Um, yeah, these are the kind of things. Dallas, like I said, Dallas is sitting right now in the fifth spot. Like I said, if Portland would have had that game that was called, you know, by Scott Foster and stuff like that, it would be they would be both tied at forty and twenty-eight. But the thing is, Dallas, I feel if they win two more games out of the last four, they should solidify their spot as the fifth seed, which would make it big because I think right now, if everything holds pat and Dallas got to play. Denver, that's a very good matchup. Dallas would be set up in a game. Not saying that they could do either way, because they, they go up and down, but they've been playing really they've been well. They've playing they, really they, well. I mean, they have a bad matchup. It's like losing two games in the last week, two week, week and a half to Sacramento was big. That was two wins they should have had. But in, the, in turn, you know, they also had two wins against the Lakers. But the thing is, they had to win one of those games against Sacramento. That that was a that was a big loss. And when we talk about things, Luca gotta keep his mouth shut because he's one technical away from being a one game suspension. And this is not the time to get suspended because you open up your mouth arguing and calls and stuff like that. I mean this is where Luca had to show some maturity I mean, that's where Rick Carlisle got to step in and say, Luca, you can't say anything, and his teammates got to be telling him, keep your mouth shut, just play ball. You know, it ain't no time for him, and Pazingas need to step up and stop being hurt and stuff like that. He needs to get into the game and play. You know, these are the times. These last four games, I really feel that they got to win at least two out of the four, but they solidify their spot, guaranteed fifth spot. They, they got to win three out of five, three out of four. Definitely, and so it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how things uh, pan out. You know, we definitely want to see just what you said. Love to see Zion and New Orleans play Memphis, a matchup of the first and second pick um, last year. So that'll be really cool. And then 
Lakers and Golden State. I think people want to see that matchup, but we're going to see. It's it's a huge week, and it's 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 very you know you can see especially in the West a lot of these teams five through seven or all a game apart. So there could be some shifting, but right uh, once once it's all solidified. We're gonna we're gonna see this uh, playoff exactly. for the first time, so like, we're pretty like, excited. Like about you it. were saying, I'm like the thing. I think five through seven can have some changes in the West, but most likely they should stay with the Red if everybody take care of their business. And in the East, like I said, the two swapovers at the top part of the first six is Milwaukee and you know Brooklyn. That could be a changeover because right now Brooklyn sits in the two seed and Milwaukee in the three seed, and I also see Atlanta. In um, Miami, also, I mean, no, actually, the Knicks are just one game ahead of both of them. So between four and six, things can change by next week. Exactly. So. Okay. Hey. Okay. Other than that, any other in, uh, couple things that have came up is um, in basketball in the basketball world is um, Russell Westbrook. You know, just threatening. Balling. Matching um, Oscar Robinson, trying to you know match his record, break his record on triple doubles and stuff like that. Oscar said that'd be a great thing because it haven't happened in over fifty years. Um, amazing. I mean, it was a stat that came out that he wouldn't have to score or do something and still average a triple double. It's amazing. This guy and people said, oh, he's just padding numbers. No, he's playing and he's playing on a team that's trying to get into that. Fit right now, like I said, I, I can see them easily, you know, moving up to the um, eighth spot, you know, in the east, you know, to give them that, you know, playing game against, you know, I mean, who wants to play Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook at this point in time of the season, especially a, a hurting Boston team without Jalen Brown? That could be a hard matchup because Tatum would have to take on too much. You know, you got two superstars on one team, one on the other team because Kim and them just haven't really matched up and did what they really need to do. So, I mean, you know, I still feel like Boston has the grip, but are they still hearing Brad Stevenson's voice? So that's something that you got to consider at this point in time. And another big news, Daryl, Becky Hammond? Hammond, could she be the first female head, head coach, coach taking over? I think she could. And because she's been she knows the game. And she, she, and knows, she the game knows the game. Doing, she knows the but, San Antonio well, culture. But are we there yet? To, well, for I, a team I, to take into that thing. I mean, it was great that Popovich yes. and these guys take her on as an assistant and stuff like that. But is the NBA itself ready for a female It just depends which team it is. Right. I look at San Antonio and say, based on their culture and the fact that she spent years in the organization as mm-hmm. an assistant, she's earned the respect for them from the organization – and the players are young. There's no superstar. There's no ego. There's it, it's the right culture for her. You put her in a, certain other teams. I think it would be a train wreck. But right. be, because it's San Antonio and it's the right situation, and she's been groomed into the organization, mm-hmm. I feel like she's got a chance to succeed. And if that's the case, I really, really do wish her all the best. Okay. Good. 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 Changes on the horizon. Exactly. And we will bring all the final changes to you next week when we talk about the postseason breakdown. And as everything gets situated, we'll give you our analysis, and we look forward to that. So you all have a wonderful week, and we will see you next time on the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast. Later. Thank you so much for listening today. 
Whether you tuned in with us through Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, we are thankful, and we would also like to invite you to connect with us. Head on over to anchor.fm forward slash sports, where you will find our social media outlets via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Until then, be well, stay safe, and we will see you next time on the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast.